0: Bhagavad Gita as it is, we're beginning the 15th chapter, which is rather unique in that the Supreme Lord explains that if we understand the information that he's going to provide at this time, in the 15th chapter, and we understand the analogy that he's putting forward as to the nature of the Asphata tree, we can understand the entire essence of Vedic information. Now, the Vedic information is not like knowledge that we're accustomed to in this world. In this world, generally, we acquire knowledge through the empiric process. We observe and with our senses, we take note of what's transpiring and from those sensual experiences, we, we receive information, we come to a conclusion as to what is wrong and what is right and what is up and what is down, what is bright and what is dark. All these things are available to us through the perception of the senses. And the mind, which is the predominating sense, kind of puts it all together. Vedic knowledge is different. Vedic knowledge is coming from beyond the range of our sensual experience. Vedic knowledge is coming to us from the transcendental realm. It's coming down from the Supreme Lord Himself as a benediction whereby we can be relieved of the illusion of material existence. Veda means knowledge. And Veda means transcendental knowledge. And all knowledge that's required by mankind for conducting themselves within this material atmosphere and also for relieving themselves, for getting relief from this material Atmosphere is available through the Vedas. So, Krishna's, this, this 15th chapter is, Krishna is Krishna's saying if you can understand the information I'm going to give you here, if you can perceive the essence of this information, that understanding in and of itself is sufficient for you to understand the whole purpose of all the Vedic knowledge that I provide. So the Vedas comprise all knowledge in all fields of science, in all fields of of, uh, sociology. There's nothing that the Vedas do not give us. Unfortunately, even though we receive pure knowledge, we have a tendency to slip back into that empiric realm of sensual perception. And therefore, instead of accepting Vedic knowledge as it's presented, we like to give our sensual interpretation to the knowledge. And that gets us in trouble. And we can see it quite simply with the most predominant religion in, uh, in Western culture, that of Christianity. We have a pure saint, Lord Jesus Christ, who's come and given pure knowledge. Through his life, he's exhibited what is to be done by somebody, how they're to think, how they're to feel, how they're to see their neighbors, how they're to conduct their affairs in in a spiritual way. So he's provided his knowledge. And then he's gone away. So he's not here now. So what's happened since the time of Lord Jesus' teachings and today. How many branches of his knowledge are now persistent in the world? How many? I don't even... Is there a count? So many branches, so many churches, each church saying, we know what Jesus meant. Not No, they don't know. We know. We have the biggest church and the most money. It has to be us that really know because <laughs> God's blessed us in this way. So you accept what we say. And then you have the progressives and then you have the Protestants. It just goes on and on. And they split and they split and they split. So in any, any, any town or village in this country, in the Western world, how many churches of how many different denominations are there all stemming from one source of spiritual knowledge. So the key to providing spiritual knowledge to humanity at large, that key has to be the purity with which the message is delivered without empiric, sensual speculation. If we can receive knowledge which is free from that culture of using transcendental wisdom improperly for using it for a purpose for which it was not intended, then we have a chance of Making spiritual progress, if the knowledge we receive and which the, and which we consider to be spiritual is contaminated by our own interpretation, then there's every chance of a disaster. Can you give an example? What you mean? What do I what I mean in regards to how things are misinterpreted, and it leads to disaster. Well, let's look at the example we've just discussed. Christianity. Do you, as a student of spirituality, Mm -hmm. you come here, so you, you have some interest, do you feel confident in any one of the individual branches of Christianity as being the pure source at this time? Right now with uh, all the scandal that's going on right now in the Vatican and it's just, you know. What, no, whether I it be now. Vatican or Catholic, Protestant, Episcopalian, maybe do you can't. feel confident that any one of those is delivering the message of Jesus oh, purely? Any of them? No. Not because it's You don't so feel confident. So, so that's what we're speaking about. And that exists in, in not only in Christianity, and other religions also. And Krishna also says in Bhagavad Gita: Yada yada dharvasya, glamir bhavati bharata. Whenever and wherever there's a declining religious practice and a predominance of irreligion, at that time, I bent myself to give you the pure knowledge again. So the supreme. The absolute truth, the Supreme Lord, he wants us to have the pure stuff. The problem is he has to keep coming back or he has to keep sending saints and sages. He he has to keep reinforcing. This is the real thing. Bhagavad Gita is the real thing. Bhagavad Gita is coming directly from Krishna's mouth, from the Supreme Lord's mouth in one of his personal manifestations. But Bhagavad Gita also How many different versions of this book are there? A lot. Yes. And until this knowledge was explained by someone in the school of Bhagavad Gita, purely a pure devotee of the Supreme Lord, until it was explained to the Western world properly how many people really took a serious interest in the message. Very few. So tonight, this 15th chapter, we're going to cover the first few few verses with the intent of understanding exactly... I mean, this chapter, it's only 20 verses, but this chapter is so right with spiritual understanding. It's phenomenal. So before uh, we begin discussing... Thought we would chant. Text 7. <speaking in Spanish> Mamayvamso jiva loke, jiva bhuta siddhatana, manasa dani karsati. The living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmental parts. Due to conditioned life, they are struggling very hard with the six senses, which include the mind. Mamajana trimanandasya, jana salakaya. As my Sri Veda I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. We'll see if we can make it up to this verse this evening. So the chapter begins. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, it is said that there is an imperishable banyan tree that has its roots upward and its branches down, and whose leaves are the Vedic hymns. One who knows this tree is the knower of the Vedas. So this understanding of the information in this chapter of Bhagavad Gita, if we can grasp the concepts of spirituality which Krishna is putting forth in this chapter, we can have an understanding of the whole purpose of Vedic knowledge, of that descending knowledge which is given for our benefit unadulterated, pure knowledge, pure knowledge which touches the pure living entity, which actually affects a change in our condition. That's pure spiritual knowledge. There should be a test if there should always be a test of what is put forward as spiritual life religious information spiritual knowledge the test is simple if when you're hearing knowledge regarding the nature of the supreme lord the living entity ourselves and this material existence, this environment that we're in, if we hear that knowledge it should have a profound effect above knowledge that we receive through our sensual experience. It should be deeper than that knowledge that we get just with simple academic education, just with simple sensual perception, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching it should give us something more than that. That knowledge is available in the empiric field, in the sensual field. We should be able to test knowledge when someone says, this knowledge, this is real spiritual knowledge. I have the real thing. No, he doesn't have it. I have. We should be able to say, does this touch my heart? Does this make sense to the core of my being? Or does the... does the deliver of such knowledge do I perceive in his character in his demeanor do I perceive something of a higher nature now this is difficult for us because depending on how much we were influenced by the environment by the influence of this material energy our perception is affected by that simple example If you go out and you get intoxicated, if you're in a drunken state, are you really going to be able to perceive a person of of knowledge? Are you going to be Mm -hmm. able to perceive a person of authority? Will you know a cop from a simple man on the street? (laughs) When somebody, you know, pulls you over, are you going to know? What, is it just the bright lights? This is a policeman because he has bright lights. I can go to the... (laughs) I can go to the auto parts store and buy bright lights. If you're intoxicated, are you going to know? Are you going to be able to perceive? Within this material world, our senses are covered over according to the degree of those coverings. And those coverings come in three basic flavors. Goodness, passion, and ignorance. None of them are pure in this world. So they're mixed up. There's not pure goodness, there's not more pure passion, there's not pure ignorance. But generally if you look within the environment to the different living entities and their different bodies and even to the society of of human, human beings, you can more or less perceive where someone's, what do we say, where someone's at or where they're coming from just by seeing. Oh the perception is different their consciousness is different if you go into an environment let's let's just make let's just without prejudice if you talk about the different classes of men that we can perceive in society if you go into an academic edu- institution into a college or a university, and you sit down amongst a group of teachers, of professors, of people who have dedicated their life to philosophical understanding or acquiring knowledge in order to pass it on to other people, that's definitely a different crowd of people than if you go into the inner city and hang out with the drug dealers. There's a difference in the mentality. Isn't there? In the energy. The energy's different. Everything's different. In one environment, you may feel relaxed and comfortable in that you're receiving knowledge and you're being uplifted. In the other environment, you may be scared out of your wits and hoping that you'll get out of there alive because of the level of anger and animosity and and hatred and, and, and greed. Depending on where... Our consciousness is that will have a lot of bearing on if we're going to be able to properly make a judgment as to true spiritual knowledge or the lack thereof. But we should also always, if we have some interest in advancing ourselves through the practice of yoga, through the practice of spirituality. If we have some desire to do that, uh, we we should carefully observe the knowledge that we're receiving and see, is it having a profound effect? Is it actually touching me? Is it making sense both to the mind and to the heart? So Krishna says, it is said that there is an imperishable banding tree that has its roots upwards and its branches down and whose leaves are the vedic hymns one who knows this tree is the knower of the vedas how many here have seen a banyan tree what's the nature of the banyan tree root structure roots are everywhere yeah. everywhere and what was once limbs become roots Right? The limbs go out and then they go down into the ground. So you can it's hard to tell where's the root. So Krishna's pointing that out. The banyan tree is here. Now he goes on in the next verse. And he says, The branches of this tree extend downwards and upwards. Nourished by the three modes of material nature, the twigs are the objects of the senses. This tree also has roots going down. And these are bound to the fruitive actions of human society. In the commentaries on this, these verses, these beginning verses of the 15th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, it's, it's explained that the root of material existence is originally coming from the Supreme Lord's deputed agent for creation, Lord Brahma the whole Mahatattva, the whole energy of material existence is coming forth from his manifestation. He actually manifests uh, the material. He's like the chief engineer of the universe. And he, receives, he received his diploma and education as to how to be this engineer directly from God. And it didn't come cheaply. When uh, when he when he perceived the environment around him, the material shell, there was nothing, just darkness. And he's sitting there, and it's you know he's sitting on a lotus, uh, and he 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 doesn't know why am I here? Where did I come from? What is my purpose? What is this environment that I see around me? What's the source of this seat? that I'm sitting on. Well, he climbed down off the lotus and went down the stem and couldn't figure out what, where, is, where is this growing from? He, had, he just couldn't make it work. And he, worked, he heard at that time two transcendental syllables. Tapa. Transcendental means coming from a source beyond, his, beyond the material realm. And he understood that if he was if he wanted to under if he wanted to understand what was going on, he needed to perform tapa. What's tapa? Austerity. He needed to perform some austerity. He needed to purify his consciousness in order to see things in proper perspective. Uh, therefore, he he engaged in the process of yoga meditation the mature fruit of his meditation was the Supreme Lord personally manifested his transcendental realm before him. Imagine the fruit of the meditation. And we and you will note as you study Srimad Bhagavatam. the next level of transcendental knowledge above Bhagavad Gita, again and again, this is the system that is given. Dhruva Maharaj, he wants a kingdom, he goes to the woods as a young child, he meditates, he follows Tapa, he's given instruction, you do this, what's the result? He's given audience, the Supreme Lord personally comes and says, ah, what would you like? Oh, here, I'll give you whatever you want. Take it all. I don't want anything now, I'm looking at you, you're God, what do I, I, I wanted some... Some money or some big position, but no, this is wonderful. I'm satisfied. Oh well, but you did want something. You're gonna get that too. So and again, again and again throughout Bhagavatam, you'll see this recurring theme of Tapa, the practice of yoga and divine revelation. And the divine revelations that are revealed through Srimad Bhagavatam through the Puranas, through the histories of the great sages who have purified their existence is consistent. It's not like they imagined a form of the Supreme Lord. Oh, I think he looks like this. No. All of their, all of the revelation, all of the vision, and not material vision, spiritual vision, that they had, all of that, is the same god looks like this this is the car- lord's carrier this is his color of his dress all the characteristics are given a complete description therefore we take the vedic knowledge as authoritative not only is the description given in the scripture of veda but it also is it is verified by the saints and sages that have gone through a process of purification. So the source of this banyan tree of material existence is coming from Brahma. Brahma is creating this tree and the various living entities are coming according to his engineering degree and different living entities are are there in the higher and the middle and the lower planetary systems And once the living entities take up activities within this material realm of existence, once they come into this realm, then they start to sink their roots. They're there like the branches and the twigs of Lord Brahma's creation. But once they're in the material atmosphere, then the roots are going down into goodness, passion and ignorance this, these modes of material nature it explains that these modes nurture the living entities desire so different living entities have different desires they're put forth in the material universe and from those desires they plant their roots in material existence And those roots are reflected in the individual desires of the living entity. And those desires are not reflected in reality. They're reflected in the illusion of Ahankar. False identification with the body. So we think, I am this material body and I can enjoy this tree of material existence. But the tree is upside down just as the desires of the living entities are (laughs) upside down. Whatever we try to enjoy in the material realm, whenever we look to the leaves of the tree of material existence, The flowery words of the Vedas, and we take those as a means by which we can fulfill our desires, then we become illusioned into thinking, I am this environment, I am this body. And the results of that are catastrophic for the soul. What happens? We become bewildered. In that bewilderment, we think, I am this body. I am these senses. I am man. I am woman. I am black. I am white. I am smart. I am dumb. I am rich. I am poor. On and on. It doesn't end. What we associate with, according to the environment, this is me. But it's not me. It's nothing to do with me. It's It's a false identification. Which leads to what? Ultimately, all these desires, all of these bodies, end miserably. All of them. It doesn't matter if you are in the best body or in the worst. It doesn't matter. It ends in misery. Pleasures and pains. Oh, I just won my first Academy Award. Of course, on the other back side, I just found out my husband was running around with every woman that he could find. Pleasure! Ah, oh, everybody, take my picture. I finally went away. I am a good actress. Oh, my husband. Oh, my gosh. Pleasures and pains. That's material life. Ah, oh, I have so much. It's all coming. Oh, but I went to the doctor and I just found out I have cancer. Oh. Wow. So the yacht's not really going to do me much good. The Lamborghini, you know, the, the car collection, the mansions in all the different places, <laughs> those aren't going to cure me. It's stage four. What can I do? No, I have a year left. That's it at most. All the money I made, all my, all my association, all my friends, It all ends badly. That's this tree. This tree is that. That we become wrapped up and everything in this environment that we do under that misconception of a hunkar. I am this body, simply keeps us wrapped up in the cycle of samsara. Krishna is going to give knowledge in this chapter of Bhagavad Gita to what? Take the sword of knowledge and cut down the tree. Don't go on in the illusion. Don't continue to be miserable. Seek out that true source of the tree That's a difficult thing. Until you cut off all these limbs that are going in the wrong direction, how are you going to be able to follow the route to the source? You can't. Because you cannot, until you give up your attachments, you're not going to be able to follow and and determine what the source is. So Krishna says, in the second and third and fourth verses, The real form of the tree cannot be perceived in this world. What's that mean? It cannot be perceived with the facilities that this world gives us. This land of illusion will not give us reality. It will simply give us a false reflection. No one can understand where it ends, where it begins and where its foundation is. But with determination one must cut down this strongly rooted tree with the weapon of detachment. Thereafter, one must seek that place from which, having gone, one never returns. What's that mean? Seek. What do we need to seek? Spiritual realm? Yes. Or? We need to go to a platform where we can experience our spiritual existence. <clears throat> And there surrender to the supreme personality of Godhead from whom everything began and from whom everything has extended since time immemorial. Immediately, the mind goes, surrender. Oh, no, that's not for me. (laughs) Surrender to God? What's that mean? He can do what he wants with me? I mean, I have things I have to do. I have places I have to go, people I have to meet. What's this surrender? How's that going to be beneficial to me? That's our misconception. We don't understand that that spiritual environment, our true spiritual existence, is so fulfilling that all of the aspirations we have in relationship to this temporary material environment, all of those relationships are inconsequential. They have, no, they have nothing of value to offer moving right along those who are free from false prestige what would we just mention, we just mentioned false prestige I have some place to go, I have somewhere to be I have someone to be I want to be uh, and on and on in material life our material entanglement, involvement and desires are never ending and they drag us around. And Christian's going to explain how they drag us around. The verse we chanted tonight speaks to being dragged around forcibly. So, who's doing the dragging? We'll get there. <laughs> Those who are free from false prestige and illusion and false association, who understand the eternal, who are done with material lust, who are freed from the dualities of happiness and distress, and who, unbewildered, know how to surrender unto the Supreme Person, attain to that eternal kingdom. Well, there's a plus right there. Eternal. Everything I get here is temporary. Can I step back enough? Can I use my little teeny brain and intelligence to step back enough, look at my environment and understand that everything here ends miserably? Can I do that? If I can't do that, then this environment, this Sangha, this study of Bhagavad Gita is probably not for you. I'm sorry to say, if you can't step back enough, And understand that you're never going to be happy in this environment. All right, maybe you can be kind of happy. But no matter where you go, let's look at, look at, give me one of you. Give me one thing that's going to end great in your existence right now. And I'll shut it down. Let's go. Let's hear one. You're going to be a PhD? You're going to get your doctorate? you get initiated? <laughs> 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 Alright, I have just been defeated. Yes. <laughs> I've just been defeated. Yes, if you take complete shelter through initiation of a bona fide spiritual master, yes, your life is perfect. I have been defeated. Thank you. <laughs> As long as you're happy about it for the right reasons, right? As ha- yes, as long as, as long as the sankalpa, the intent, is correct. It will end up perfect. Now that I've been defeated, all I can do is read on. <laughs> That's the prima Now let's talk about that place that is talking about. Having once gone, you don't have to come back here. You don't have to come back here. You don't want to come back here. There's nothing here that's going to really s- just stack up. Here's some characteristics of that transcendental realm of existence. That supreme abode of mine is not illumined by the sun or moon, nor by fire or electricity. Wow, well, well, means it's a pretty nice, bright place. No darkness. Those who reach it never return to this material world. Never return to this material world. Wow. All right. I can go for that. If I know that there's no happiness here. Until I'm convinced of that, we're going to have a hard time making spiritual advancement. It's going to be difficult for us. Until we come to that conclusion, that that understanding. At least theoretically. Let's at least accept it theoretically. Practically, it will come if we practice, if we exert some detachment, if we pull out the sword once in a while and slice our way clear of material misery. When it just gets too bad and we say, yes, I'm willing to walk away from this. I thought it was going to be great, but really, 12 different guys? I'm out of there. That's enough. This marriage is over. Right? It's a certain point when material miseries really get you down. When your teeth ache so much, week in and week out, month in and month out, you say, alright, I'm going to the dentist. I gotta do it. They're coming out. That's the way. At least let's theoretically understand what is putting forth there. We may not be able to at every moment continually pull out the sword of knowledge and cut ourselves free from ignorance, from false identification with this world. That may be difficult for us, but at least let's practice some. And what is it? It's very simple. Little practice. Little detachment. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. Just a few rounds a day. A few minutes. Give a few minutes to detaching yourself, to cutting the bonds of sense gratification. Just a few minutes. Every day. That's a beginning. Eventually the taste of that spiritual practice is going to become so sweet that that sweetness itself will pull us on. Now, in the verse we chanted, mamai Bamso jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana mana prakriti stadi The living entities in this conditioned world, what's that mean conditioned? Conditioned. Particulated by the... Modes of the yeah, the senses are pulling. We're conditioned. They're, they're, it's basically by force, isn't it? By force. We get into the habit. At the end of the day, whatever the habit may be, we get into this habit or that habit. And that becomes a conditioned response. Comes becomes natural So, that's the nature of this world. We become conditioned to activities which simply lead to further conditioning. That's why it's called the wheel of samsara, repeated birth and death. The living entities in this conditioned world are my eternal fragmental parts. Such a depth of spiritual knowledge Krishna is giving. You are a spiritual part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. You are a spiritual fragment of God. Eternally fragment, Sanatana, Amsa, mamaivam soul, jiva Amsa, amsa is a little part. Mamaivam soul, Krishna is saying you are my, amsa. You are my little particle. Mamaivam soul, jiva You're referred to as a jiva soul. Jiva okay. Jiva bhuta sanatana. But you're eternal. No matter what this environment tells you about your spiritual existence, no, you're eternal. You're never going to die. Now, the body, that's another thing. But you, you're fine. You're set. You're good. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> You're here now, and you're here forever. You're Krishna's part and parcel. Now, if you think you're this bag of bones and flesh, when it gets old, and when it gets withered up, and when it gets ready to be blown away, you're going to be like holding on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, when the car doesn't run anymore, what do you do? <laughs> Do you really keep pouring money into it? (laughs) When finally we understand that the body is of no use or we're forced to understand that, then, then we have to move on. Due to conditioned life, they are struggling very hard with the six senses, which include the mind. We'll discuss the six senses and then we'll stop. What are the six senses? We're talking about knowledge-acquiring senses. Mind, ten, Spell, five taste, five taste. senses plus, mind, plus, plus the, the mind. Plus the mind, yes. Five senses. Hearing, seeing, tasting. smelling, tasting, 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 touching. These are our knowledge-acquiring senses. If you read the Purport, what are these senses compared to? They're like a ball and chain. <laughs> yeah. They drag us. These indriyas these senses drag us. From one body to the next body to the next body. As long as we are under the misconception that satisfying these senses is, the, is what we're about. And the mind, the mind's always telling us, yes, <laughs> yes, eat more, sleep more, see more, touch more, smell more, taste more, 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 more. Then we become frustrated. Oh, it's too much. I can't take it anymore. No more for me. Oh, let me renounce everything. Let me run off to the woods and give it all up. Enjoying more and more, renouncing more and more, enjoying or renouncing, neither of these are spiritual life. We need to understand that. Spiritual life is something different than that. It is not exploitation, nor is it renunciation. It is transcendental engagement. It is service. That service will satisfy us if we can find the proper route to serve. I think that's my cue. I will stop there and take any questions. Which need to take up how much? A you. <laughs> Somebody, give me a question for a couple minutes, otherwise I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, just what you're saying about everything being so miserable, gosh, that's such a negative way to look at life. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a realistic way of looking at life. You can still you can still have degrees of you know satisfaction, you know? But ultimately, we're going to die. Ultimately, we're going to suffer. We we'll always suffer in some way. You know. it's like but, it's a, but, but that's a good point. Is that, is that, really, the, is that really the life of, of the spiritualist, is your question? Is that what spiritual life is? Did I simply look at the world and I see everything as a, as a black hole that's eventually going to swallow me up? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's yeah. not going to last. So that's a good thing to replace it with positive uh, spiritual activity. Yes, yeah. instead of attaching to the material world. It's not that the transcendentalist. It's not that the spiritualist is only, only looking at the bad. We're realistic. We're realists. We're not really pessimists. We're not really optimists. We're realists. This is the way this environment is. This is the way material existence is. But that doesn't mean that I can't... When we're in life, it's not that we completely can cut off the senses. That's not spiritual life. We have this body, this car, this... What did Krishna say in the last chapter? Hmm? The chariot, yes. Shatra. This. this... So it's not that we can walk away from material existence. This is where we are now. This is the environment that we are in now. We have to make the best use of a bad bargain. <laughs> we don't have to be optimistic or pessimistic. We have to be realistic. This is where I'm at. The question you have to ask yourself is this is where I want, is this where I want to stay. Is this going to fully satisfy me? And if with knowledge you can understand ultimately this won't fully satisfy you, then you're not going to be able to give up the activities of the senses. They're still here. You're still in the body. You still need to eat. You still need to sleep. So many things are there. Well, I was also going to say, you know, you're saying like faults, you know, know, like it's has a pessimistic outlook that you can have. You know, but the other... The flip side is, well, as Duala was saying, it's it's realistic, but you know, you can temper that with saying that at least you have that vision that you see clearly. So even though you could be pessimistic sort of on one hand, you also have you know the um, positive aspect of being able to see. The other thing that the other thing that's nice for the spiritualist, for the transcendentalist, for the devotee, is because he's using his indriyas his senses properly in the service of the supreme because they're being used properly he's getting a spiritual fulfillment that is f- that f- actually far exceeds whatever the senses could have given him what did we say at the beginning if you're if you're actually hearing true spiritual knowledge if you're actually in the association of devotees you're going, to feed, you're, you're going to be satisfied. Your mind and senses are going to be satisfied, with the environment, but also your heart is going to be touched. That's what spiritual life, true spiritual life gives us. The devotee, it's not that he doesn't enjoy the senses. He actually revels in the senses, but because why? He's using them at every moment for spiritual purpose. So what? They're not going to end. That practice, those senses being used properly or become become spiritualized, they never go away. Our sense of hearing Krishna's name never goes away. Our sense of tasting Krishna Prasadam is never going to leave. You may leave the body, but that sense of spiritual taste, you've got that. Krishna guarantees Bhagavad Gita. What's he say? Never any loss or divination in this practice of pure spiritual life. The chanting increases. The tasting increases. The seeing Krishna's form increases. The appreciation of Krishna's devotees increases. Everything increases. Srila Rupa Goswami says in the beginning of nectar devotion, what? what? How can we determine when we begin spiritual life, what happens? Everything's coming up roses. Everything in our life begins to become auspicious. Satisfied. Good for us. Thank you so very much. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rita. Happy birthday to you. This is a a pre-birthday party. Because... Us old folks aren't allowed to go to the real parties tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> She's legal now, isn't she? Tomorrow she so legal. legal. Oh, scary! <laughs> 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 so you got? The, are you gonna make a wish? Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I have some suggestions. <laughs>